And I just started crying. And I was like, I think I'm having a miscarriage and I need to go to the ER. And he was like, oh my gosh. He goes, <laughs> okay. Like, it's like, okay, like do what you need to do. I was like, okay. I go, I'm going to take my laptop with me. And he was like, no, don't take your laptop. Hi. My name is Ella Rose, and you're listening to the Joy of Sunflowers podcast, where we talk about real, raw stories and experiences in pregnancy loss and infertility. Hi, Cara. Welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers. Thank you so much for joining me. Please introduce yourself a little bit to everyone. Yeah, my name is Cara Radke. I'm currently located in Midland, Texas. I'm originally from Houston. It's currently my husband and I, we don't have any living children and we have two dogs, Rocky and Bailey, and two cats, Piper and Toby. I work from home. Midland's kind of a small town. So we moved here, I think in the middle of COVID. So I think we're finally kind of starting to make friends with the pandemic ending and, you know, being able to get out and be more social and stuff. So it's been good. Yeah, it must have been hard to move during all of that. My family moved as well, and it was a surreal time. <laughs> we kind of just yes. hunkered down. I don't know. We still haven't like ventured enough, I think. We need to venture out more. So can we get into your story? Did you always want kids, or was it something that you sort of came to? So we always wanted children. In total, I've had four losses, but our first loss it was definitely a surprise. We were really wanting children, but I don't think at that point in time, we were thinking it was going to happen so soon. Um, So all of our other pregnancies have 100% been very planned and prayed for. So there was kind of a bit of a shock there, uh, just kind of at the first time, because we didn't really know. I don't think we hadn't fully thought about what all we had signed up for at the time, but unfortunately ended up in a miscarriage anyway. So we've always wanted children and our wedding anniversary actually is coming up. It'll be two years on Monday. It's been an interesting kind of start to the journey. So do you want to jump into kind of my whole story and where we are now? Go into the whole story and get to where we are now. Yeah. Yes. So I want to say it was again, middle of COVID whenever we got pregnant the first time. And again, it was an initial shock, (laughs) but we, you know, started to get really excited and we're like, okay, this is happening. And we started to plan for things. And of course it was really hard to get into any kind of doctor office just because everything was like really, really crazy. And it was also my first pregnancy. So in the States, they typically don't see you until you're either eight to 10 weeks along. Everybody I had contacted, they, were, they had put me on the schedule, but I think my first obstetrician appointment was I think like at 10 weeks. And so I was actually traveling at that time back and forth from Houston to Midland. At that time, I actually was in Midland and, you know, it was my first pregnancy. I didn't really know what to expect. And I felt like I was feeling all the things you should be feeling. But then I started having spotting and cramping and I was like, okay, that probably isn't good. And so I called my doctor's office and they were like, of course, like it could be normal, but you know, if it increases, let us know. And so I just kind of kept going about my day. I think I want to say I, I was bleeding and it was light for like seven days. And then I remember it was a Wednesday and at that time, our company, they were doing furloughs to make sure that everybody could, you know, stay in the company just because COVID shut everything down at the time. Um, so 
those two weeks I was actually working and my, my personal manager was on furlough. So she didn't have her work laptop, her cell phone was turned off. So she was completely um, disconnected. And we had a huge project where we were going up to our COO and I had to do all the financials for it. It was a really big deal. And as I'm doing these financials, I'm in like meeting after meeting to get everything done. Just my body just started to cramp really bad. And I could just tell, I was like, okay, this is not normal. And I was scared because I was still kind of new to the company, but I also knew how important that day was to get work done. And it was kind of funny. Now I think it's funny at the time I was very scared, but I called, it was my manager's director at the time because he was working and he picked up the phone and I don't even think I had like come to terms of what was happening. And I was like, Fred, I go, hi, I go, and I just started crying. And I was like, I think I'm having a miscarriage and I need to go to the ER. And he was like, oh my gosh. He goes, okay. Like, it's like, okay, like do what you need to do. I was like, okay. I go, I'm going to take my laptop with me. And he was like, no, don't take your laptop. He was like, just go to the ER, like take care of yourself. Like you're perfectly fine. You know, not you're perfectly fine, but regarding to work, he was like, you are, you don't need to worry about work. So, um, anyway, I got to the ER, my husband drove me. Um, but at the time you did, you couldn't go in there by yourself. Um, so he had to drop me off. And so I had to No, I was the only person in the ER because everybody was too afraid to go to the hospital. And so it was just me and the doctors. I think at that time I had already passed everything naturally. So by the time we did the sano, they couldn't find anything in my uterus. And so they just kind of sent me home and were like, we think you had a miscarriage. You know, we're so sorry. And I'm not a very emotional person. So whenever I went home, I kind of like, I was sad, but I didn't really, I kind of just was like, okay, well, like life goes on. I'm just going to kind of start doing, you know, my day-to-day thing. But I think what's funny about grief is for me personally, my grief always hits me like months down the road. But anyway, at the time we decided to take a year off because we weren't really trying for children. And we still had some things that we wanted to do. After about a year, we started trying again and we got pregnant again and we were really excited. And I kind of, in the back of my mind was like, I think that first miscarriage, I think it just was maybe like a one-off. So maybe like everything's fine. And so Um, This time I was living full-time in Midland. And um, so we, I immediately, the instant I got a positive test, um, I contacted the local OB office here that's like down the street from me to let them know, hey, I'm pregnant. And I did let them know, I was like, I have had a miscarriage before. And they were like, okay, still, we don't see patients until like eight to 10 weeks. We'll schedule you whenever you finish out the new patient paperwork. So in the meantime, I called there was a local midwife nearby and she called me back the same day <laughs> and she asked if I wanted to get blood work done. I was like, yep, let's do blood work. And so we were doing draws and my numbers, my progesterone was really low around six weeks. I started to bleed again. Um, and then I went in for a sonogram. I think it was around seven weeks and there was a baby, but it had unfortunately stopped growing at five weeks. So I guess it was a missed miscarriage. I asked her if if I could just go home. And so that's what I did. I just stayed home. That miscarriage, I think out of all of my losses hit me the hardest because I was in a new city. I didn't really know anybody. Um, I didn't feel comfortable. Like anytime my friends 
from back home would call me. I didn't want to burden them with my sorrow or pain or, you know, these are the bad things that have been happening. And so I kept a lot of it internal and I never really talked about what I was feeling. And I don't think I really knew what I was feeling at the time. And so I was actually talking to my therapist and she knows I'm the kind of person that in order for me to do something, I have to be given homework. So I want to say this is probably six months after my second miscarriage. She goes, okay, I'm assigning you homework. And she said, you have to FaceTime your best friend in Houston and just kind of tell her that you're feeling sad. And that was like a big step for me because I'm not a person that just calls people and says like, hey, you know what? I'm kind of having a hard time. And I think that was extremely healing. And I'm glad that I did that because then my friends from far away, they check in on me all the time and they ask how I'm doing and things like that. So that was really, really helpful. So after my second miscarriage, I'm also a doer. I wanted to kind of see maybe my hormones are off. And so I contacted the health coach um, that does, you know, she looks at all of your hormones and she tracks everything. And so we found out I was estrogen dominant and I had a slow comp. We talked about creating a new meal plan and workouts to avoid to just help because my body just always is always stressed which I've known my whole life. I'm just a very stressful person. <laughs> and so I was put on a new supplement regimen. You know, I worked on trying to get enough sunlight in the morning, enough sleep. And I also started doing acupuncture to see if that would help. And so I took about six months just to kind of work on myself. So after that six months, we started trying again. I want to say it took us about five or six months to get pregnant the third time. And this pregnancy was completely different from my first two. I got extreme pain on my right side and I Googled everything and everything I read said an ectopic pregnancy. He's like, you probably don't have it. You know, you're probably fine there. It's so rare. Surely you don't have an ectopic pregnancy. And so that one, I want to say I was, I went to the ER I think I was around five and a half weeks because I was in extreme pain and the ER, they did a sonogram. They couldn't find anything. They were like, we can't find a baby in your uterus. They go, but it could be too early. You could have had a miscarriage or they had mentioned you could have an ectopic pregnancy, but they couldn't confirm. And so I just was being positive. I was thinking of the best, although I was like, this doesn't seem normal. I actually went on a ski trip (laughs) like a week later. And then I came home and I was scheduled for a sonogram. I think I was around eight weeks at that time. The sonogram tech, she was doing the sono and she looked and they actually were able to spot the ectopic pregnancy in my right fallopian tube. So after that, I was transferred to an OB, the same OB that I've been working with now for probably a year and a half, I want to say, or maybe a year. My dates get all mixed up. So he it was extremely helpful. That pregnancy we treated with methotrexate. It's an injection. And ultimately what it does is it just helps you pass the pregnancy. So every single week you have to go back for more blood work to make sure that your HCG levels are decreasing because there is a chance for you to rupture, which can be very dangerous when you have an ectopic pregnancy. That whole process took about 10 weeks And it was very, very long. It was very painful. I think I went to the ER 
once again after I had already started the methotrexate because I was in so much pain. But we just, we kept going with it. And then eventually my numbers went all the way to zero. Every week with women that are pregnant with their partners doing their ultrasounds and you're there tracking to make sure your pregnancy and HCG levels are going down was, it's just, it's kind of hard. So after my levels had dropped, I met with a doctor just to talk about what my future plan was and where we're going to go from there. It was actually great because my doctor, based on the ultrasound that was done, even though I did have an ectopic pregnancy, my uterus had actually responded the way it was supposed to respond, which meant, you know, some of those regimens I had been doing were helping. So that was comforting. I try and be a positive person. And so before we began to start trying for our fourth pregnancy, my doctor wanted to run some tests. And so we ran some tests and that's when I found out that I had, that I'm heterozygous for the MTHFR gene mutation. And in addition to that, I also have the factor two blood clotting disorder and both of those, the gene mutation and the clotting disorder, there's been research done that they say has resulted in recurrent miscarriage. And so he said, okay, assuming that your next pregnancy lands where it's supposed to land. He started me on a regimen. So while we were trying to conceive, I was taking baby aspirin. I've been taking methylfolate supplements. And then I made sure that the prenatal I was taking had folate in it and not folic acid. People with MTHFR, their bodies can't naturally convert folic acid to folate. We also have a hard time detoxing toxins in our body. So especially in the U.S., a lot of gluten products, they add folic acid into them. And so learning how to be careful of some of the things that I eat to try and avoid that folic acid, just to make sure that I'm not putting more into my body. So there was a lot of learning through that. And then once I eventually became pregnant, then I would be on additional progesterone supplements. And then I would also take a Lovenox injection every day, which is a blood thinner. I'm so thankful that I have a doctor that believed MTHFR or factor two can contribute to recurrent miscarriages. Our fourth pregnancy, I want to say it took us six months again to get pregnant. So we got pregnant again because I had already gone through one ectopic. I kind of knew what to expect. And I will say my fourth pregnancy immediately when I got a positive, I knew that I had another ectopic in my right tube. All the pain was the same. I could just tell. And so a week from my first positive, I was going to the doctor's office immediately to do levels and my levels were actually doubling and they were doing okay. Well, they weren't doubling, but they were, I think it was like 150%. It's supposed to be 200%. But then I had a big drop in progesterone. I think it was my Monday to Wednesday was good, but then my Wednesday to Friday levels were not good. And so I went in, or it was a Thursday. So I went in that Thursday because I was talking to the nurse. Um, I've been having a lot of pain on my right side again. And she goes, okay. And she goes, you know what? Let's just bring you in for a sauna. Your doctor's here right now. Can you be here in like 10 minutes? And I said, yep. And so I got in the car. Unfortunately, my husband wasn't there because I just, he was at work and I just wanted to know, you know, what was going on with my body. And so I got to the doctor's office. We did the sono. Now it was too early to see anything, which I already knew, but my doctor was like, your right ovary is inflamed. 
So something's going on. Something is unhappy in your body. We can tell that. He goes, your levels are indicating that even if it's not an ectopic, you're probably miscarrying. He gave me really three options. He said, I'm 90% sure you're having another ectopic. He goes, we can either wait another week to do more levels and see what happens. We can start you on methotrexate. Or the third option was we can go ahead now that this is your second ectopic, we should probably go ahead and do surgery and at least look at the tube and see kind of what's going on. And so I thought about it. And then 45 minutes later, I was like, you know what, obviously my right tube is not doing good. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Let's go ahead and do surgery. So I went into the surgery on Friday morning. My husband was there and we went into the surgery, really not knowing what to expect. And part, and there's like, and I don't know if this has happened to you before, you know, if you've had doctors that have said you might have a threatened miscarriage and you're like, but you know, that little tiny chance, maybe it's not, maybe everything's fine. And so we weren't sure, but a lot of the evidence was kind of going against us. And so we, we did the surgery, we went through it. And whenever I woke up from the surgery, my husband was there and they explained, you know, we did have another ectopic and our baby was again in my right fallopian tube. And while they were in surgery, they did the HSG test, which is a dye test to make sure that everything's flowing properly. And they said that my right tube was just completely blocked. And so they made that the decision before we went into surgery, we kind of had a plan A, B, C, and D based on what was going to happen. We ended up going with plan B, which was if my right tube is blocked, that they were going to remove the tube. So my right tube was removed. And then on my left side, they did do the dye test. And they said that the dye did flow through. He said that my left tube was okay. He didn't say it was good, (laughs) which made me a little nervous. But we left the hospital. And out of all of my four losses, I weirdly felt hopeful um, after my, my surgery, we had connected with, um, a church group and we have, they, they put us into these community groups that we meet with and it's comprised of six different couples. And we meet, you know, once a week and we go to house to house and my community group, they stepped up and they created a meal train for me. And I had a basket of goodies waiting for me whenever I came back from the hospital And so we were just really taken care of. We were well prayed for. And I had actually joined a miscarriage and loss support group a couple months before that. And I had made friends with two of the girls who had also gone through loss themselves. The community of people just surrounding us during that tough time was really humbling. And I've had friends that since then have experienced loss. And I always think about all of the people and how much that was done for us during that really hard time. And I just try and reciprocate that and, you know, just be like, I'm here if you just want me to sit and just listen or to talk about what happened. So that's been really nice. So after that surgery, we didn't really know what our future looked like. That was this past October, October, 2022 is when I lost my right tube. We didn't really know what our future looked like. We honestly thought it was going to take us quite some time to get pregnant. I had never gotten pregnant on my left side. My right side was my favorite side. I always got pregnant on my right side. I didn't even know if my left side worked to be honest. And so 
at the end of December, I'm pretty intuitive with my body and I can feel when things are changing. And I was like, okay, I, I think I'm pregnant. And I took a test and I had a very faint line. And of course it was over the new year's weekend. So I couldn't go into a doctor's office until four or five days later, but I went into the doctor's office. They confirmed everything. And these poor nurses, they know me so well now because <laughs> I've, they've seen me so much, but you know, I went in, you know, every other day to keep doing more blood work. You know, I was doing my Lovenox injections. I, you know, was supplementing with progesterone and I went in at five weeks. It looked like everything was normal. And they confirmed that I had a baby in my uterus. And I think it's funny whenever I, you know, I told my friends and family, I go, I said, we're pregnant with a confirmed baby in our uterus. And it's just a funny thing to say in our weird circumstance, you know, it made sense because it was like, okay, step one is making sure that your pregnancy makes it to your uterus and it doesn't end up in a tube at five weeks. It was confirmed by a sonogram. And then, and our numbers were more than doubling. We had never had positive reports before. And then we went to our seven week sonogram. And that was the first time we ever saw, got to see a heartbeat. We had never experienced that before. And then uh, just recently we went to our 11 week sonogram and now our baby actually kind of looks like a baby and it was kicking around and swimming around because it didn't like being prodded, <laughs> but it was, it's interesting and something that I just find especially interesting after experiencing loss in the beginning, you're really excited to go to sonograms and they're really fun. And I feel like after your first loss, you kind of lose that innocence of, you know, something can go wrong. And I'm sure it's going to be like this for every single sonogram that we go into throughout this entire pregnancy. But we walk into our sonograms and like, I'm so nervous that I could probably like throw up because you never know what's going to happen. And I try and be realistic and prepared, but you know, I've been trying to tell myself I'm pregnant until proven otherwise. And We've never gotten this far and it's been, it's been really exciting. We're actually getting to points where I did genetics testing. I think we're going to find out the gender soon. There's a lot of firsts that we're able to do with this pregnancy that we've never been able to do with our other four pregnancies. So it's been a really fun time. And I think on my husband's side, especially in the beginning of our pregnancies, he never really allowed himself to get excited. And if he ever did get excited, that's when something bad happened. And so now that we're in our fifth pregnancy, I think he's, we're equally you know, talking about the baby every day and we're both getting excited and I don't know what will happen. And I obviously hope that this baby comes to term and, you know, I talk about, I think I was talking to my mother recently and we were talking about Christmas. And I was like, well, at Christmas, I go, if everything goes well, we should have a baby. <laughs> and she just kind of laughs. But I think it's part of my coping mechanism just to be like that. What if all the time, that's kind of where we're at now. And we've been really excited. I started to kind of have doubt if this was in the cards for us. Four losses in a row are quite a lot. <laughs> and just statistically, I just didn't know where we were going to end up. And so I'm just thankful every day that 
we've at least made it this far. So, yeah. yeah. It's very surreal when something changes like that. You're like, oh, this is different. For you, it's a good different. For me, it was like <clears throat> the opposite because that's when I had losses. So I had babies, then losses. So yeah. for me, it was like, this is different. What's going on? Right. <laughs> you can have babies and then not have babies? What? This, yeah. This isn't a thing. It was really interesting to hear that you have the same thing that the rest of us have, which is like, <laughs> I am so anxious. I could totally throw up right now. Like, yeah. And then you're laying on that table. You're like, I feel numb. <laughs> yeah. And you see the baby and like, I'm really glad I'm seeing the baby, but it doesn't mean it's going to be here. You know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> and I've heard other women say that, but I hadn't experienced that yet. And now that I'm at that point with pregnancy after loss, it's interesting that I felt the exact same way where it kind of takes the fun out of it. <laughs> and it's, you know, I think we had to wait in the waiting room for 45 minutes before we were called back. And I was just like, I just need to know. And they brought us in and, you know, she immediately was like, Oh, there's your baby. And I'm like, all right, hurry up. Like, is there a heartbeat? <laughs> Instead of just like being able to relax and be like, Oh, right. Like everything's fine. So it's kind of, it's, it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do this thing where I'm like, I lay there and I'm like half holding my breath while I'm just like, like yeah. just waiting for them to tell me something. <laughs> I try and do a little small talk to kind of help. But the last time I went in, the guy was like, not into small talk at all. And I yeah. was just like, fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> like not easing my mind at all. And he's just like looking, he's looking for ages. And I'm like, yeah, so I had a miscarriage and you know, it's, I'm very like, like, I want to know what's going on kind of thing, you know. Right. Is the baby okay? And he's, like, not really answering me. Yeah. You have some sonogram technicians that, you know, they'll be like, the doctor tell, will tell you. And you're like, can you just can you just tell me it's, it's fine if it's fine? <laughs> oh, no, that's good. It's like, well, you know what you're looking at, don't you? Otherwise, you wouldn't be this technician that you are, you know, and I've right. seen you label everything. So you know what everything is. So what's going on, mate? Yeah. Um, in Australia, it's not too bad because they actually do tell you at the scan. Like they don't yeah. go, oh, talk to your doctor. They actually right. tell you. I don't know if there's specific cases where they're like, oh, you need to talk to your doctor. We can't really give yeah. your diagnosis right now. And then um, when they ER, they don't let you see the screen and they don't say anything. So it's very, you go in there, they have the screen turned and it's, you, if you ask any questions, they just say the radiology department will review and your doctor will get back with you. And you're like, okay, well, that'll be another two hours. <laughs> so <laughs> isn't that crazy? Wonderful. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's terrible, isn't it? But that, I mean, here it, again, it's different. Like when I went in for ultrasounds when I was in the hospital, they they had the screen turned towards me and they were checking, you know. So it's very different yeah. from Australia to America. Yeah, but I'm 22 weeks now. Congratulations. So it's uh, weird. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, with the two losses, I lost at sort of six and seven weeks. And obviously getting past that milestone was terrifying. Getting past that bit was just like, okay great I'm past that and I was like okay I can feel hopeful now 
I heard from other women that they never stop feeling anxious until the baby's here. And then you start feeling anxious about the fact that the baby's here. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like all the things like, you know, SIDS and, and like all those things. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, just when can I stop freaking out? I was saying to a lady the other day, like I've actually started to like check my husband's breathing now. Oh, really? (laughs) I have to do that every now and then because we have a bed that like will like lift up your head. And so sometimes they'll like be choking and I'll be like, let me just going to lift up the bed and it helps. So oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Yeah, no, sometimes he breathes. He has like a weird breathing thing that happens. And I I said to him, I was like, you breathe funny at night sometimes. And he's like, (laughs) okay. And I'm just like, lay on your side, lay on your side at night while he's sleeping. And he's just like, huh, <laughs> rolls over. Fine. Fine. No, it's good. It's, it's terrifying, but it's, it's, you know, at least we're conscious of it. Being pregnant after loss is like a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't expect it until you are going through it. And when you're living it, it's just, okay, this is what I have to deal with now. <laughs> Right. And you don't really have a choice because you're already in it. So, but how has that been for you? Like when you found out you were pregnant, did you feel that joy or were you kind of freaking out a little bit? It's interesting to me because you see so many videos on Instagram or on TikTok or whichever social media platform. And women all the time do these pregnancy announcements to their husbands And they record their reaction or they'll record their own reaction of, you know, they get their positive test and they start crying because they're so happy. And I get terrified whenever I see pregnancy tests, I would not say they're joyful because all I can think about is what if what's, what's going to happen this time. I think by pregnancy number five, I mean, I was a little excited because I knew that one part of my problem was removed, which was my right tube, but I don't allow myself. And I think it's a coping mechanism. I don't think I allow myself to get excited until I can actually confirm that things are progressing the way they are. And I think that's different. Now I've had friends that have experienced loss that whenever they get their pregnancy test, they're so excited and they're so excited to do the journey again. That wasn't my personal experience. I was excited to know that I could get pregnant again, but I think there's so much behind it of just being scared and anxious of what's going to happen. I would say now I'm feeling joyful and happy. I would say that started happening probably when it was confirmed through kind of some of the blood work that we knew that this was moving forward and that we were getting positive results. But the joy I feel like was kind of taken away after pregnancy, probably number two. (laughs) of getting a positive test. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, like you said, you felt oddly relieved and oddly kind of like, yes, like when you had your tube removed, you said it felt kind of weird that you felt good about it. But yeah, I mean, obviously that was part of the issue. So that would have been relieving in a sense, because like, okay, well that's removed. So that means that I'm more likely, right? It's, it's going to happen now. It's going to happen for me. And I think when it did happen, there was probably like a slight expectation of, oh, I'm going to be okay with this. I'm going to be happy with this. But then obviously the reality of, oh, I'm pregnant again. Okay. 
am I going to be okay? Is it going to go okay? Am I going to have the same experience? But it's just that reliving because you're in that moment again. And I like that you call it like in utero, like, yes, yeah. the baby's in my uterus. It's been confirmed. <laughs> and that's yes. something so many of us take for granted. We're just like, yeah, I'm pregnant again. You know, we don't go, oh, it's in utero, you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Obviously it's in your uterus. Where else is it going to be? Well, <laughs> yes, I can tell you a few places. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> It's so mad. I spoke to a lady yesterday who had IVF and she had three ectopics in different places. Mm, yeah. I heard it's common with the IVF. Yeah. Yeah. It, it blew my mind. I mean, yours was natural, wasn't it? Yeah. We had a bad tube. <laughs> now I'm in quite a few support groups on Facebook for MTHFR for people taking Lovenox. I'm in support groups for women that have had ectopics and if you've had one ectopic, you do have a higher chance of having another ectopic, unfortunately. So there are some women that, you know, they had their right tube removed and then they had another ectopic in their left tube and then they had that one removed. Then at that point, your option would have to be to move forward with IVF and hope that the embryo implants itself in your uterus. Um, so things do get a little bit more complicated. Yeah, I would have thought after you had one tube removed, the the sort of problematic one, you know, then then it would be okay. But I guess it's one of those things, again, where you're like, oh, well, I've had that removed now, so I'm fine to have a baby, but there's still risk. I didn't even think of that. I don't even know why. Like, you just... Yeah, well, and that's... So and that's what made me, I think, a bit nervous about my personal situation is when my doctor said my tube looked okay. And I was like, okay, so... <laughs> There, he or he said it's fine for now, but there was some. He said there was a little bit of blockage in my left tube, actually, and so I just have to know that for the future, for future pregnancies, and know that something might happen to my left tube. I hope that it stays unclogged, but after this pregnancy, if we want to start trying again, I'm probably going to go in for another dye test to make sure that my left tube is still open. So it's very fluid things, things can change. So just saying, hopefully it just remains open <laughs> for as long as possible. I didn't know what our fertility journey was going to look like. And you know, I'm always very blessed that we typically have always been able to get pregnant fairly quick and easy. I have a lot of friends that they've never had miscarriages, but they just they have a really hard time just getting pregnant. And so I, which one's worse? I, I don't know. <laughs> I think they both suck. <laughs> so, but you know, I'm just, we, we've had our own obstacles and our own difficulties, but you know, I'm blessed that at least we know that some of the functionality has been working the way it's supposed to. Yeah, I think it all just comes with its own trauma. Like it just depends on your own individual drama, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love how you were, you were like, oh, I'm just going to take my work with me into my like miscarriage. Um, I'll just, no worries. <laughs> I'm very glad that I had a support system at work that my manager at the time had also experienced quite a bit of loss. She actually has a really wild story of whenever she conceived much later in life. So she 
knew where I was coming from just because she had experienced her own losses as well. And then the director that I ended up calling him and his wife had experienced loss as well. And so it was really nice because my manager ended up calling me at the hospital and just said, Hey, I heard that what you're going through. She was like, I'm so sorry. She goes, take as much time as you need. And I was like, okay, I go, I'll probably like, I'll probably take a day and then I'll come back. And she was like, no, just go ahead and just take a whole week. She's like, you'll, you're fine. She goes, I want to make sure that you're able to process what you've just gone through and that you're taking the time that you need for yourself. And I, and at the time I, I I think I was mostly numb, so I didn't really know what to feel. So I was just at home, not working, but not knowing (laughs) how to feel. And, (laughs) and, but I'll never forget just how much support that she gave me. And I was at a support group recently that I had told my story about going to the ER and having to, you know, trying to bring my laptop. And her story was actually the opposite where she told her manager that she was, she was having a miscarriage and that she had to go to the ER and they said, okay, well, we also need all these numbers due by the end of the day. So can you, you know, we still need you to work on everything. And I, I just was like, oh my, I gave her a hug. I was like, I cannot believe I am so sorry that they did that to you. But just as I'm just glad that the people that I personally worked for gave me the time to just grieve and to give me grace, just to, you know, take care of my own emotional needs, which I didn't honestly know what I needed at the time. (laughs) So yeah, no, that's Gosh, someone, yeah. I mean, you, you had to have known like someone at some point has been like, right. So you still need to do all this work. (laughs) Like (laughs) it was, it was gonna have been someone's reality. I'm very glad it wasn't yours because, yeah, but probably been fine, but (laughs) yeah, you must have felt really weird though. Like feel what I need to feel and deal with things for a week. What, like, what am I dealing with? I don't know. Because it's so surreal. Like, I think you're, you still, you're in shock and you have to deal with that shock somehow. Yep. But if you've got no idea, you know, it's really hard to get to the emotions and like how you actually feel if you're just kind of in shock. I don't know about the hormones running through your body. I mean, I just got really depressed in that yeah. beginning part, like during that loss season. Did you feel anything like natural? hormone things that did anything to you or not really? Um, not that were helpful. I would say after every miscarriage, I went through miscarriage and my first ectopic, I definitely went through a depressed phase. And I would say my personal grief, I didn't know what I was feeling until a lot later, like months after my losses. I want to say the worst depression I had was after my second loss. And that was the one where I kept to myself a lot, but I, I mean, it had been months and I was sleeping a lot and I didn't really want to be social. And my husband kind of started noticing, you know, Kara's not really being herself and she seems kind of sad. And, but I didn't at the time, didn't think maybe this has to do with my miscarriage. I think I was just going through like a seasonal funk at the time. So for me, my grief catches up to me way later after my losses. And, but I, after my depressed, 
depression era, I personally then get very angry. <laughs> so I spent a lot of my last year just feeling very angry <laughs> about like, why me? How come everybody else is, you know, I think at that, that year, so many close friends were getting pregnant. So many people were having babies and I'm still trying to figure out where we're at, why it hasn't been in the books for us yet. So I'm glad that I feel like my anger phase is finally maybe over. Yeah. Maybe now it's more into the anxious phase, (laughs) but it's something that I've noticed where I was like, I'm having a lot of anger that I need to resolve. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so many, so many women have the, have the anger thing. And, um, you know, I, I hear often women say, you know, it's one in four. Where's my one in four? (laughs) Right. I've had five. One of them (laughs) should have been okay. (laughs) So, you know, I think when you've gone through that, like, I'm glad we could sort of half laugh about it, which is like, it's a bit weird, isn't it? But I, I, I try and find some people probably don't appreciate it, but I, (laughs) I, I laugh through my pain and it probably makes people uncomfortable, but yeah, I think it makes people who haven't gone through pregnancy loss uncomfortable, but I feel like most people who have been through pregnancy loss, they're just like, actually, that is kind of like funny ish <laughs> you know it's yeah I well I I say you know I was the st- statistic and then I had my second loss which kind of ruined it yeah because I had three children and then I had one loss yeah so I was like I'm the one in four okay you know and then I had another one I was like just come on ruin it didn't you just <laughs> exactly if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And I think laughter is healing and crying. I mean, crying can be healing too, but yes. it can also be really wet and gross. That's true. I've told my story quite a bit in different support groups. And I can always tell women that it's their first time telling their story because the first time I told my story, I don't think anybody could understand me. I was crying so much because I think I was also trying to heal myself by just putting it out into the world that this thing had happened to me. But I think what's been helping, what's helped me is just, it's been a bit therapeutic, I guess, is just telling my story. And I'm probably a bit too matter of fact about it, but I say my story and I'm like, yep, um, that's my story. Thank you. And I smile and people are like, okay, next. (laughs) But even before I was pregnant, I feel like, especially in these groups, I always just tried to be hopeful. And I think my husband and I, Dan, we've always tried out of all of our losses just to keep remaining hopeful and just saying, you know, we, we hope this is going to happen and just trying to remain optimistic. And so I feel like that's part of the reason why I got to where I am now is just by trying to, to stay positive, even though sometimes you're really, really angry. <laughs> so And anger is normal. Like it, it's just natural to, to get angry, especially when, 
you know, you're expecting something and it doesn't happen the way you're told it's supposed to happen. You know, you're told, oh, well, your body knows what to do. Your body's good. Your body can do this thing and it's natural and it's fine. And then it doesn't. And you're like, well, but you said, like, that's what I learned in school. And they told me my body was amazing and my body did all this stuff. Like, why isn't it doing it? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I I, I think school sets us up to just be so angry. (laughs) It's all school. (laughs) Now my mom did have one miscarriage before me and she always was open about that whenever I grew up. I think some women go into their first loss, never really thinking it would happen to them. But I think knowing, you know, my mom went through not, she had only had her one loss, but just her openly talking about what had happened and how she felt about it, I feel like was, was helpful to me. And I was thinking about this recently. I think it was, I was at church on Sunday and I, I don't even know what made me think about it, but it kind of made me sad. Cause I was, you know, we're trying to be hopeful. I'm thinking, you know, this, hopefully this baby is going to be earth side. And then I was like, man, they have four other siblings that won't be able to experience the kind of things that baby number five is going to be able to experience. And it made me kind of sad, but I don't want our baby to grow up not knowing, Hey, you had four other siblings that are watching over you. So I feel like that's going to definitely be part of our, our upbringing of we have four angels that are watching over us. We actually have, it's my husband's aunt, but for Christmas, it was so thoughtful. She got us an ornament that way you can put on the Christmas tree every year. And it says something along the lines of like always thinking about the four, like our four babies in heaven or something along, you know, those lines. And I just couldn't get over how thoughtful and sweet that was and how every Christmas we get to put that ornament on our tree. And like, to me, I I think it's sweet. And some people are like, that's incredibly depressing, (laughs) but I never planted a tree for my babies. Some people had tattoos or people, you know, they had like a memorial or maybe it was like rings that they created. And I always felt a bit guilty that we never had a memorial for any of our losses. And I feel like that ornament really meant a lot of like, you know, now we have our, our place, you know, for our babies, of course they stay in our heart all the time, but anyway, that was really special to me. And I just can't get over how thoughtful she was to think of giving something like that to us. So yeah, that, was, that is really, yeah. I, I think it's hard to do something, you know, for like for the babies in that way, because, you know, you don't always have something physical. You don't always have like something to bury or, or do anything with. So it's like, well, what do I do to honor or do something to acknowledge their existence we're going to be doing a birthday party because we've got three kids already and we did like a thing where we went outside and we looked up at the stars on the due date and we we all just like said that we hope the baby's happy in heaven and that the baby's okay and that we miss Mm -hmm. the baby and love the baby and that's pretty much what we did to honor the baby and then after that I said, you know, to my husband, I was like, it, that was just so sad. <laughs> like, it's so sad. And Let's do something I'll, happy. Yeah, I was like, I want to do something nice. And I said to the kids, should we do a birthday party for the baby next time? Like for the for the babies in heaven? And and they're like, yeah. And they're like, can we have cake? And I was just like, yes. 
<laughs> we can have okay. it. Yeah, we can totally have cake. We can make it all pretty and nice and and everything. And I think that that can become like a really nice tradition that we do that, you know, it just reminds us all that one, babies are so important and like beautiful. Mm-hmm. And even though they're not here, you know, they're still loved. And I think that is a really important lesson. Like you said, like your mum just mentioning it to you and you knowing mm-hmm. that she had a miscarriage you know, I think those things show our kids how important they are to us and how Mm -hmm. much they mean to us as well. Like we can get angry with kids when you have yours and I, you are having that baby. I've decided (laughs) (laughs) I'm praying and I'm going, seriously, God, Um, (laughs) it's just like, (laughs) but seriously, you know, when you have kids you do get angry at them and you want to be like blessed and be grateful for them all the time but you know obviously there's still moments where they rub you up the wrong way and they press all your buttons right so to have that extra added this is how important you are like you know I think that helps and my my son has even said to me oh you you know you upset about the baby and I said yeah like you know Mm. I wish the baby's here and you know he he sort of said we're here mummy you know and that that was like made me cry he goes but I know you miss the babies and I was like yeah and he goes I wish they were here too so I think that all that I think is just so beautiful and helpful not just to them but to you as well I know a lot of women get worried about it but yeah talk about the loss talk about those babies in heaven because they're important and they're important to your child's story because they'll add to that child you know and I love how you say it's like they're angels looking down and how has that been with God? Because look, everyone's had a go at God. Whoever's a believer in God, even people who aren't believers in God have still had a go at him when yeah. they lose babies. So how have you gone with that? I, you know, it's so, every loss has been so different with how it's either, I feel like it either pushed me away or brought me closer I would probably say the first one, I think I just, you know, I thought was maybe just a mistake. I thought maybe, you know, it was a one-off and I wasn't that angry at God. I would say after the second one, I was starting to feel things like, why me? But I would say after my third loss, which was my first ectopic, I started to really just kind of be angry whenever I would get comments from people with this is God's plan. I'm like, it was God's plan for me to be in pain and (laughs) have to go through all of this pain and bleeding for weeks and weeks and weeks. I just, I don't think that was God's plan. I, um, I actually recently was given a little letter and I took a picture of it, but it's in my bathroom so that I can see it that I feel like helped. Is it okay if I read it? Yeah. Okay. So it's by KJ Ramsey, but it says be gentle toward all that remains unhealed in you. The space between today's hurt and tomorrow's healing is sacred ground. Each step you take is but a footfall on a path. Christ already walked before you. Each breath you take is one. The spirit breathes in you. Time and space are nothing to God and grace. Be hospitable to to all that still hurts, maybe even lingers. There is a friend within you. There is a friend within all that is unfinished. I just recently got that on Sunday, I think it was. But I feel like 
it helps just reestablish that you may still be hurting. You may still have open wounds, but God's still there for you and is looking out for you. And before my sonogram, it was the night before. Sometimes I forget to pray or I'll like get on an airplane and, you know, I pray like, get me to my destination safely, but I forget to pray about real things that I'm feeling other than just praying with, you know, my husband at the dinner table. And so the night before my sonogram, I just prayed to God and I was like, I'm feeling really scared. And I just hope that you cover me with, you know, your presence and help me feel less anxious. And I feel like that it really helped. And I felt watched over. I mean, and my husband reminded me after the sonogram, because we were kind of talking about it. And he goes, well, did you pray for the good things too? And I go, no, I didn't. So then I was like, thank you (laughs) for, you know, having a good sonogram and for things still progressing. And so I know I personally need to be better about just praying for not just when things are scary, but when things are good too. And, um, but I don't know. I mean, it's a hard question. I feel like I had a friend recently that went through a miscarriage a couple of weeks ago. And some of the things she was saying is like, how can, if there is a God, like, how could he do this to me? And it's, it's a hard question to, to answer. Well, the thing that's been pulling me through is this thought of, well, God isn't the author of evil. He's all good. So everything, you know, he's about is all good. So these horrible things that happen aren't his, he's not written it. He's not made it happen. Mm -hmm. He's allowed it to happen, which is very different. And so because they've been allowed to happen and that's through, you know, sin and, and, you know, because of the fall and all that bad things happen. Um, And so God's work is when he takes those horrible things and he makes them into something beautiful or he uses them for good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, you talking to me about your journey like that, that is, I, I think using it for good because there's lots of women who are suffering out there and, you know, your story might help a lot of women and they might be like, well, I've been through the same thing. And that makes me feel so much better and comforted that I'm not alone and and that yeah. there's still hope because you're pregnant right now and it's going really well and the baby's in utero. Yes. <laughs> where it should be. <laughs> you know, to have that, that hope and you, you're giving that to people. Yeah. And, and I do believe that that is the blessing from God because God wants good things for us and he isn't punishing us and he isn't making things horrible for us you know he wants us to have a good life he wants us to be happy but he doesn't promise us a good life you know we're not promised to have the best time I mean look at what happened to Jesus bless him Um, (laughs) you know yeah we're not promised we're you know we're promised suffering in many respects really I mean he doesn't he you know he doesn't make that suffering happen but he does allow it so you know, I guess you could say, yeah, I, can, I guess I can see why people get annoyed. But the other thing is that it's not about whether God allows you to go through something that you have the strength for or not. It's about the fact that you can always lean on his strength because that's the way I see it. Like I don't, I know a lot of the time it's not my strength that I'm clinging on to because I don't have the strength. <laughs> like yeah. I, I feel it in me. I'm like, yeah, that two months, I did not have the strength. And I had to ask, I was like, 
give me the strength because I can't do it. Yeah. I just can't, you know, and I had three kids who needed me and I was like, I, I actually can't. It's just too much. Yeah. You know, and I think knowing that, like holding on to that and realizing that you don't have to have the strength. You can, you can ask him for it and it's okay to ask him when all the negative stuff happens, when all the bad stuff happens. Yeah. Um, you don't have to ask him for the good stuff. You know, you can say, you know, please strengthen me. Please give me the strength. And that's what I've been doing for uh, recently because I was like, I don't want to be like, oh, please let this baby be healthy because, I mean, I don't know if that's what is going to happen or whether that should happen because I already prayed for that for the last pregnancies and it didn't happen. So yeah. for me, I was like, I'm just going to pray for the strength to get through this and, you know, hopefully I'll have a baby at the end. Hopefully I'll be blessed and, you know, blessed with that baby. But right. I'm not going to continually pray for the health. Now, sometimes I do. Yeah. I do, but I'm, I try more so to pray for those, those things of strength and, like, give me the patience, give me the, the self-control because, yeah, I feel like that's that's what we need, you know, because whatever happens is going to happen and God can give us that strength and give us what we need in terms of that. So yeah, that's, that's my spiel. That's what's been getting me through. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been a long, like a long process to that mindset. Cause at first mm-hmm. I was just really angry and got really upset. Yeah. Understandably. So yeah. Yeah. And then someone told me I could have a go at God and I was like, yes, I can. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Because you think, you know, you can't, you can't have a go at the creator. What? But yes, you can. Yeah. All the time, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, really. But yeah, it makes you feel better. It does. Yeah. <laughs> On a final note, is there anything that you would sort of say to anyone who is going through this season right now, who's like literally in the thick of loss, not so much pregnant, and then maybe maybe what you'd say to someone who is pregnant, who's in our shoes right now? Because, I mean, I know how you're feeling. I'm sure you know how I'm feeling. So, um, you know, this yeah, like I'm 22 weeks and I'm still freaking out. So, you know, I went for the anatomy scan, laid there, and I was like, oh, this still doesn't mean anything (laughs) so yeah um I think to individuals going through loss and I think this was a hard lesson for me to personally personally learn is you don't have to go through loss alone um there are so many women that have experienced and have similar emotions to what you're going through. I think when I finally started reaching out to friends or attending support groups is when I actually realized, Hey, some of those feelings that I'm feeling, there are other people that feel exactly the same way. And I think just having a sense of community and some of these people that I met from my support groups have become some of my best friends now. And I just like to remind people that you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to, you know, be worried that someone is going to, you know, be angry that you reached out to them because you needed help. I think that's something I wished I had learned a lot earlier on into my losses. 
I didn't learn that until much later, <laughs> but just encouraging people that if you're feeling sad to call your friend and say, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time. <laughs> and I'm so new into the pregnancy now that I don't even know any advice to give. <laughs> just keep praying. <laughs> yeah. 11 weeks, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you know, when, when I reached like 12 weeks, I was like, great, I've reached the 12 week. I'm, I'm ready to feel better now. Yeah. No. <laughs> Where's my better feeling? Where is it? <laughs> like, exactly. Maybe after it's all done, maybe I'll have some, some advice, but I'm still, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm still learning myself. So <laughs> I'll, take, of it. I'll take all the advice I can get. <laughs> Well, I can, I can do the baby bit. I can give you baby advice. You know, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> after the baby comes, like, you know, you want to talk, you know, milk, nipples. <laughs> yeah, all the things. Oh, I obviously the, need the help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know too much about, like, nipple shields and things, but, like, yeah. you know, just, like, you know, moisturizer and, yeah. Right. I know I know those things, you know. Now I, I'm going to get more now I'm going to get more ads on Instagram about nipple shields. <laughs> I'm going to get the same thing as well. <laughs> nipple shields. Yes. Um, yeah. There's like lots of things, you know, that you, that you learn through having a baby and that you never knew before, you know, even down to like, you know, wearing bloody, uh, what do you call it? Oh, tenor lady. Like, you know, the, the like pull up. Oh yes. Yeah pants they're yeah. perfect for after have baby by the way they heard, really work I have a lot of people say they're actually very comfortable yes they actually <laughs> are so I don't have to worry yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice <laughs> wonderful <laughs> it's just it's you, you just have to get over the fact that you're wearing an adult diaper yeah if you do that then you'll be all right I'll let you know but yeah <laughs> if you need any 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 of that stuff I'm I'm totally here and I'm down for a conversation but um yeah I'm I'm with you like I there's a there's not too much advice to to be offered except you know I'm pregnant right now and that's that's the best you can do yes exactly I agree that's that. <laughs> yeah yeah because everything else you know it doesn't you don't know and you're not gonna know so May as well hold on to what you do know for now. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for speaking with me and um, for telling your story and sharing your story. Yeah, and I, I'm going to be praying for your baby. Thank you. You, you as well. I'm so glad. I'm so glad it's in utero. <laughs> thank you. Me too. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate it. Just being able to tell my story and hopefully it helps you know, even one person out there. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll see you. Please note that all speakers, including experts and professionals, express information, views, and opinions that should not be used to diagnose, treat, 
cure or prevent any medical conditions. If you have a medical issue, please consult a qualified professional. Speakers voice their own views, opinions and conclusions and they may not reflect the views, opinions and conclusions of other speakers. Ella Rose, The Joy of Sunflowers and its sponsors may not endorse all or any of the views, opinions or conclusions expressed.